The HERE podcast is all about reclaiming your power and reconnecting with your mind and body. By releasing our stories and the power they have had over our lives and creating a compassionate and supportive community, we can bring love, understanding, awareness, and healing to ourselves and to all who need it most. Join me in saying, enough is enough. I own my power. I am ready for the next chapter of my life, and it will be the most amazing one yet. Content may be discussed that could be distressing to you depending on where you are in your healing journey. If the episode becomes triggering, practice self-care by turning off the episode. If you need to talk to someone, you can always contact your local crisis center or RAIN's national hotline via chat on their website at RAIN.org or by calling 1-800-656-HOPE. Hello and welcome, amazing, amazing and lovely here podcast audience. I'm very excited today. I have uh, an amazing woman. Her name is Jennifer Reed and she is a mother, wife and caregiver to a Navy veteran husband, Elizabeth Dole Fellow, creator and host of Mom to Wife to Life podcast, which was also the 2020 podcast magazine's top 50 mom podcasts. So that is awesome. Very, very awesome. And she, what she does with her life is she is passionate about shedding the light on women and moms going through different seasons of their life and making the normal struggles that we all go through, not something that we should be ashamed or embarrassed about. So welcome, welcome Jennifer to the show. Thank you for having me. That was a long intro and I do apologize. (laughs) Apologize for all the amazing work you're doing? No, 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 never. (laughs) Could have summed it up for you, but yeah. Oh no, I I went through and I wanted to highlight all of those things. I think it's just really cool the work you're doing. And so I would love to just hear um, your story, hear about your story and all the awesome work you're doing and how the audience can benefit from that. So if we can talk about how you went from, or you were in an abusive relationship and anything else you, you know, you wanted to share, and then you moved from that to do what you're doing today, which is you are really trying to change the world for a lot of women. So I would love to hear about that. So first off, I had a panic attack earlier, so um, (laughs) I'm a little shaken and I might be a little stumble over my words and everything, but I'm here. So um, about me. (laughs) um, If at any point you need to breathe, I get panic attacks, I anxiety attacks, any point you need to breathe, just... No, it's just, I had a lot to do today and then I have very important people to talk with today and you know, I'm mostly behind the camera or behind the scenes type of person. So being in front and center is like super new to me. And yeah, it was totally like anxiety all over the place. So I might have mommy brain, I might have anxiety brain. So just bear with me, you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, But so I am a mom, I'm a wife. And um you know, as moms, we were like 15 million titles on our head, but it didn't start off that way. Um, I started off 
you know, young, kind of naive and kind of just a hopeless romantic, I guess. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, you know, I got into a relationship that was not healthy is the correct term I want to use. Healthy. I thought it was because that's the way I grew up. You know, I thought like, hey, you know, there's something wrong. I'm doing something to encourage this behavior. Let me fix it. You know, just basically the same way my mom and dad did. So I grew up thinking that that was the norm. Come to find out it's not. Um, And what I mean by this is I was, I want to say 18. I got married at 18. Um, which was already a big mistake. (laughs) Um, I was working at a camp counselor. I was working as a camp counselor. So that just tells you I was not ready for like marriage and important things. Um, (laughs) So I got married at 18. That was pretty fresh and new. And, you know, he was in the military as well. And you know, things happen. We just, we just went like, I don't know how to say the word. It just was not right. We were young. We were just 18 year olds should not be making lifelong decisions, to be honest. Um, some people it works out for some, for some others like me, it did not work. Um, fast forward a little bit. We decided to separate. Well, mostly me on my end. Um, we decided to separate and I ended up in a relationship with this guy and it was, it was fun. <laughs> I wouldn't discredit that, but it was fun until it wasn't. Um, I remember the first time he ever hit me and in the back of my head, I knew it was wrong, but somehow I just couldn't bring myself to believe that's what it was. And I say this because in my head, I knew it was wrong. I was like, no, I should have left him. It should have been done and over with that day. But in the back of my head, I was like, no, it was a mistake. It was, you know, he will never do this again. It will never happen. The typical things you hear in abuse. And he did it again. And I thought it was my fault because I started the argument. And I was like, okay, well, that's, that's my fault. It's my, my doing, you know? And then it just became more consistent. And it would be like, you would have a week of good days and then the weekend would come. And all of a sudden, you know, I had bruises all over me, hiding it with makeup and things like that. Um, I ended up having a kid with this person, which makes it even harder. And I'm not going to cry, but (laughs) um, it makes it harder, but it just, you know, it makes me realize that, like, I should have left long time ago. I should have had the, the, I I don't even know what the word is, the, I had the notion that I needed to leave, and um, I didn't, and Mm. with a lot of domestic violence survivors, you'll hear that, and the most frustrating question that we always get is, why did you stay? Well, number of reasons. One, I had no support. That was my biggest thing is I had no support. I came from a background where this was normal. This was 
the thing to, this is the relationship to be in. So, um, you know, my mom would always tell me, what did you do to make him mad? And I'd be like, well, I don't know. Like, he just hit me, you know, like, you're, I'm, you're supposed to protect me. You're supposed to be my mom. And, um, you know, I didn't have the support. My friends didn't understand why I just couldn't pick up my things and leave um, because I had nowhere else to go. And at this time, I had a kid. So it was um, safe for the fact that, like, you have a roof over your head, you had food coming in, and there was some type of money coming in. I eventually got on, like, welfare and stuff like that. But again, I still had no support. So I'm living in an abusive relationship. I'm living in an abusive home, living on off of welfare, having someone being the crap out of me and just feeling like complete utter dog crap, you know? And another thing that people don't realize is the financials of it. When you're isolated so much, you have the emotional abuse come on and you you have all the thoughts in your head, like, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not, not any of those things that you, you know, people with self-confidence have, so that all gets stripped of you, um, so it's really hard to leave, because you really don't know who you are, what you're doing, or where you're going to go, and a lot of people don't realize that, and it took me forever, it took me seven years to get to a point where I had to say enough is enough because you know he was cheating on me he was doing whatever he wanted to do but yet still bashing my face in um and I still stayed because I tried to reach out and again I wouldn't get the support that I needed or it was trade this situation for a worse situation so you kind of have to weigh out your options you know Mm -hmm. so yeah that's a little bit about story. <laughs> no, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. I, um, I can relate to a lot of that. I had, it was the same thing. I was in an abusive, abusive relationship when I was younger. And I know my self-esteem really, I think, I didn't think I deserve this because I'm worthless, but I, I believe I, I believe I believed that deep in my head that I didn't think that I deserved better. And then there was that also that other flip side of um, that you mentioned earlier, how the first time I was like, well, he, his father used to abuse him and he's so sorry. And he doesn't want to be that person. You know, he's not like that abusive person in the movies. That's like just an evil person. Right. And so I, I wanted to help make it better. And, and then you just, you know, several years later, you're like, what am I doing? You, um, so you had a child with him. Do you still have to see him or is he out of the picture? Um, luckily I have one of those cases where he does not care about, um, our child. He only cares about hurting me. So anytime, um, I have to make the decision to cut off all contact. Now I'm not supposed to do that, but honestly, restraining orders only go so far. And, you know, our justice system is kind of screwed up in that, that way a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, I had a restraining order on him for two years and his loophole around that would be, I'm contacting you about our child, but then I'm going to throw in the occasional, 
um, you know, F-bombs and the B-words and, you know, make you feel like crap, like how you did when you were with me and how much you need me and how much you can't survive without me. But somehow it would come back around to about the kids. So he couldn't, I couldn't say, well, he's harassing me um, because if you look at the text messages, it's about our daughter. And then it's like, oh, well, yeah, he might've said that right there, but he got frustrated because of what you said. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So the, <laughs> it was a long like battle and I just had to, you know, say enough is enough. And I, the last time he saw her, he didn't, she didn't shower for the whole entire month that he was with her because she was with him. And, you know, I was like, you know, if you really cared about seeing your kid like that, you would have made the effort to shower her, to feed her, um, not just buy her toys, you know, buy her the expensive bands and um, like Converse, Adidas or whatever. You would actually, you know, take care of her like a parent's supposed to. And he didn't do any of that, but somehow it was my fault. It was my doing. I didn't pack her food or I didn't give him money for food or anything like that. And it's like, if you're the parent, it's also your responsibility. But then I would never forget. He actually said, that was actually with my now husband. We were engaged at the time. And he said that I'm going to ruin your wedding. Um, you can't live without me. You can't be without me. And we should just get back together because I don't want to have another baby mama. We should just have another kid together. And it was just like the most nonsense, typical thing. And for a long time, I was so mad about it. I was like, how dare he just think like, just ride in and do that, you know? But a part of me in the back of my head, this is where the trauma kicked in, is maybe he's right. Maybe I don't deserve happiness maybe I should go back maybe I should just end what I have here because it's not going to work out because I have him here in the back of my head and all of the it just my self-confidence my ability PTSD all of that kicked in and honestly I didn't know I had it till I went to a therapist and she was basically telling me like you have childhood PTSD from that abuse and you have PTSD from him. And I was like, no, I don't. PTSD is for people who've gone to war and it's in the military <laughs> and all of those things. That's yeah, not for me. Um, but yeah, I, I still have it to this day. With this whole quarantine thing, it kind of flares up some things. So. Uh, yeah, doing this work is the first time I've even heard of, honestly, CPS. TD, so complex post-traumatic stress syndrome. And I saw little people, uh, I saw a lot of people posting about it and I started reading into it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, uh, I, that is totally explains what I go through and how I think. I had seen a counselor, I had two bad experiences when I was younger. And then when I was in my twenties, I had a great experience with a man, um, and he that with a therapist and he was awesome and he diagnosed me with i think it was um 
major depressive disorder and a borderline personality disorder. I don't know. I just took this really long test. It was like 500 questions, I remember. And um, But shortly after that, unfortunately, he passed away and I'd never seen a therapist again. So I'm learning a lot from all of these people I talk to and all the reading I do. And yeah, that's so when your therapist was sharing with you, was saying, this is what you have. Did that help you understand yourself a little bit more and your reactions? Um, it kind of did, but it kind of also made me mad because it was like, now I still have this. I'm still attached to this. Like, I got rid of him, <laughs> you know, I got rid of the, the bad yeah. energy and the contact, like, how, how am I still affected if I got removed these people from my life, and it's true, it's still there, it sucks, it really does, and it's something that is a daily battle in my marriage now, um, I have to learn what my triggers are, and how to take time and remove myself from situations and arguments and not overreact and not think everybody's out to get me type of thing. So yeah, it's hard. Yeah, I can, I absolutely relate with you on that. So I still get triggered as well. And I have come to the realization and I'm okay with it, that it's not ever going to completely go away, but I'll just I'll be able to handle everything better and respond better. Um, but I do get very frustrated when I have a reaction that stemmed from, you know, my sexual abuse as a child, or I'm like, seriously, now I already struggled so much throughout my whole life. And now I'm feeling like I'm, I'm doing great. And then something will trigger me. And I totally get you with that being frustrated. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating. It's, it's also sad because, you know, sometimes I will just cry and it's like, I don't even, nothing has affected to make me cry, but yeah. I will cry because it just, the flashbacks will happen or I'm like sitting alone and, you know, just have like moments to yourself and you're just like, oh man, I should have reacted this way. And you kind of get mad at yourself and then you cry and it's just it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, I don't know if this is the same with you, but when I respond certain ways, say to my children or my husband, like if I, you know, yell or I lose my temper like that, um, then immediately after yelling is the guilt and then are the thoughts. They deserve better. You, you know. Yeah, I'm constantly apologizing and then I have to tell myself I can't apologize all the time because that's what I used to do is like Mm -hmm. I used to just say I'm sorry I'm sorry and then you know he would continue to hit me or take my money or take my debit card or something and spend all of it and I just have to sometimes I get frustrated with my husband I'm just like I I can't I'm not apologizing for being mad I'm not going to apologize for being sad I'm just I'm not going to do it yeah sorry yeah I love that I love that. 
And thank you very much for sharing that, your story with us. So now you're moving into, well, not right now, sorry. So then you moved into the next chapter of your life. So tell me a little bit about um, all, you know, the things that you're doing now. So you have um, met your husband and you're a caregiver to your husband and all those big long lists of things that I mentioned in the beginning, because you're doing great work. And I would love to hear about that. Um, so I am now married to my husband for two, three years. I don't know. It feels like a hundred to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but we've been married for a a while. Let's put it like that. And, um, it's amazing, but it's also hard. I think this is the first relationship where I actually truly love him, love my, my partner and I'm willing to work on it and not walk away but I he has issues as well and um it's interesting on our very first date we went to have Hawaiian barbecue and I remember walking in and he was like oh pick somewhere to sit and I was like okay cool and I sat down and he's like no can I can I sit over here and I was like uh okay (laughs) (laughs) like some weird like OCD thing and I was just like okay cool you can sit wherever you want like (laughs) I don't care I'm not the police here but um and then he just decided to list all of his issues and I was like oh well this is a crazy person (laughs) because I mean I had I had issues too but I was like not ready to like here's my cards you know and here's what it is yeah (laughs) and um it just made me like realize that like okay he's kind of like my person because we are both messed up (laughs) (laughs) and we're both willing to just be like hey I got this no I got this and I got this and I was like okay cool I can I can vibe with that and I think he was actually the first person that actually understood what it felt like to have the insomnia to have the depression and have anxiety because a little background is um growing up like all of that was frowned upon it was like you don't need a therapist you just need to fix whatever it is talk it out between each other or you know have your aunt or grandmother intervene or something um so therapy was not a thing um you know getting on medication was not a thing (laughs) and so fast forward now I'm actually happy I'm still going through issues and I became his caregiver (laughs) so taking care of somebody who has the same type of issues that I do um maybe a little bit more not a little bit more but just different different reasons why is really hard because I don't know what his triggers are to full extent. I know like if someone touches me a certain way, that's a trigger. Um, You know, if someone speaks to me a certain tone, that's a trigger. For him, it's, you know, dreams and it's sounds, it's flashbacks, it's, you know, various different things. Um, He was in the military. Um, His military career got ended short because of those issues. And, you know, it's kind of sad, 
because he honestly he says like if they would just wipe my flight clean i could just go back and finish my contract and you know he's one of those people that just want to serve our country and i admire him for that so i'm his caregiver and what that entails is a lot of pushing aside my emotions to a certain extent to take care of him especially since we have you know my daughter and everything in the picture and it's just it's hard it's really hard and i got well fast forward a little bit later i got the position as elizabeth dole fellow for the class of 2020 and i am super excited that's why i had a panic attack earlier because i was sending emails to congress people that's (laughs) amazing and i was just like i hope i worded this right i hope i sound professional I'm sure you <laughs> and did. not like some loony tick person who's just like I'm angry because of my water system or something like that you know? <laughs> um so it was, it was a little nerve-wracking and um it's nerve-wracking when Elizabeth Dole herself calls you on a Sunday night and she's asking about your family and you're just like uh do I need to put on my face for this? <laughs> what do I need to do? <laughs> you know. Um, so I'm going to be bringing light to um, the community that I'm in and the state that I'm in, which is Arkansas, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I'm going to be bringing light to caregivers and veterans who don't have visible wounds. And a lot of people understand what that means, but for some that don't understand what that means, that means you know, the mental health and the PTSD, the social anxiety, the the list goes on. Um, so I'm going to be bringing that awareness because as a caregiver myself, I not only have my own PTSD, I also have secondary PTSD from him. So I'm just a ball of emotions here. <laughs> um, so it's, it's hard. And, um, a lot of people go through it alone and what's interesting is we moved to Arkansas from Vegas Las Vegas Nevada and there's no programs here and what I mean by no programs I mean there's programs here for veterans but there's no programs that fit for my husband and that is soul crushing because he wants to belong to a group and you know, the military has this one motto, like one for all, all for one type of thing. And um, he feels like he doesn't fit in. And that's soul crushing to me because it's like, I'd want nothing to do but to help him thrive and have a community and have friends and, you know, get past that social anxiety to a certain extent. And there's nothing for him to do that with. This may be um, a really silly question, but is being a caregiver, uh, is, that, is that something, I guess I think of, okay, rewind. Caregiving, like you care for your family and stuff like that, but the caregiver, especially because that you were um, Elizabeth Dole Fellow, is that something that you register or is that something particular because he's a veteran or is that just something you do you care for your husband and then you um you 
maybe submitted something about what you do to Elizabeth Dole Foundation? How did that all happen? I could have just said, hey, okay. how did you become an Elizabeth Dole Fellow? And what's... <laughs> Okay, um, a lot of people are super confused. They're like, wait, you're a caregiver? So is he like in a wheelchair? Is he like bedridden? <laughs> no. Okay, good. I'm glad you got that question before of what that entails. Yeah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's cool. To be an Elizabeth Dole Fellow, you do have to apply for it. And then you have to do the whole interview, background, all of that process. It's about a lengthy six, maybe seven month process. Um, I applied for it to be like, oh, well, I want to do good in my community, <laughs> not knowing that I was actually going to get selected. Um, so I'm like, I'm nobody, you know, like, I've only been married for, what, two, three years. I have no experience. I have nothing. Um, <laughs> but they selected me because of what I, and my, my thing to do was to bridge that gap. And, um, so the difference between a caregiver and like just caring for your family um, is you're doing extra stuff that you normally would hire somebody else to do. Oh. So um, like if you think about it, someone with special needs, um, they need someone to take them to the store or, you know, to go on outings with them. For me, I bear the weight for my whole entire family um my husband cannot grocery shop and if he does go with me to the grocery store there's only certain times he can go with me um because of crowds and you know he can never go somewhere new you know like say we were going to like fourth of july or something to an outing we would have to get there super early just to pick a spot so that way he's not shifting through the crowds and stepping over people and feeling like he's a burden and things like that. Um, I can tell you, I found this out the hard way because um, I'm like, oh, you can't go grocery shopping, whatever. Like, you just don't want to help me out in the house, you know, type of thing. And we went grocery shopping and I'll never forget it. He literally was pushing the cart and he was like red in the face and he's like, I can't do this and walked out. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I don't know what I did or said, and it brought back all my PTSD, because I'm like, what did I do, what happened, what, you know, but he's just like, I can't do crowds, and he literally had a panic attack, he was in the car, like, shaking, and all of that, so things like that, I have to do for him, I can never have him go to the grocery store, and if I do, it's already super early in the morning or super late at night. Another example would be um, doctor's appointments. Normally, one of us can go to a doctor's appointment by ourselves and ask questions. For him, he just walks in and he's just like, cool, this is what I have to take. Cool, I'm walking out. Not really questioning why he's taking it, you know, anything like that. So I have to be a voice for him and ask the questions like why is he taking it how many doses does he need um how long does he have to take this medication for what's the side effects you know all of those things wow oh thank you very much for explaining that 
that that's amazing. Congratulations for being a fellow. So by doing this, you are going to try to get services for your husband, people like your husband and that community within Arkansas. Yes. Yeah. That is amazing. And hopefully it will expand to the other states as well. So. Wow. That is very cool to take that situation of everything you're going through emotionally and your husband is and, and everything that you're, it, it would be so easy to, with all of this going on, just kind of retreat in the struggle, right? And uh, not go out and add more to your plate to try to make things better, to try to just go, wow, this is just really hard. Everything is really hard, but you're like, nope, yeah. I'm going to take this on. We're going to make it better. That is really awesome. Tell me about your podcast. So when did you decide you're going to do this <laughs> podcast and then you did it and it grew to be on the top 50 podcast for 2020 for moms insane. I would love to hear about that. So I started the podcast in 2018, fall, winter, whatever you want to call it. I think it was October, like right after Halloween. And um, I decided, I was like, I'm, I wanted to do a blog. Let me just put this out there because <laughs> this is the backstory. So I wanted to do a blog and I, I realized I don't have the patience to sit down and write. <laughs> And I found myself using the speech feature on my phone to write my blog. <laughs> and I hey, like, that's clever <laughs> because I have a blog with one post and I am the same. Like I want to write a blog, but that's pretty clever. <laughs> so I was doing that and my husband was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm speeching my blog so I can just go back and edit and post it with a nice picture <laughs> and he was like that's called podcast why don't you just do a podcast <laughs> and I was like uh no <laughs> like you have to be like famous or somebody important to do a podcast he's like no anybody can start a podcast and I was like okay cool so I went out and I downloaded the little app to do the podcasting on and I had my little wire headphones and um I started recording in the car <laughs> on the way to work <laughs> and I, it was mostly like therapy for myself to be honest because I was just like I'm frustrated about this and I am angry about this and oh my god my kid is being super annoying and I realized that like a lot of these things I was speaking on was things that mom other moms and women out there were feeling they were feeling it regardless of the relationship their marriage you know being a mom all of it and I was like oh, okay cool I got like a little audience I got a little somebody that's listening cool and um I think my biggest episode actually if you go back and listen is um eating french fries in my car <laughs> Oh, I love the title. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I was just mad. I was on a rant. I was upset about my job. I was upset about my husband. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat some fish rice. <laughs> supposed to be on a diet. But, um, and it was just, it was released. So I would go home or after work or go back to work because I would sometimes record on my lunch break. And I would feel a little bit better because I'm like, I got it off my chest, you know? 
And I realized that other moms feel the same way. And I was like, cool, I have a platform. I have something to speak on. Now, am I an expert? No, but am I a mom who's been through some stuff? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I would say you are an expert. You are an expert as a mom who's gone through some stuff. So absolutely. (laughs) So I just feel like, you know, if somebody can relate, uh, learn a lesson of what not to do after I did it or something, cool. You know, like (laughs) it's just a podcast to empower women to just be themselves it's okay to feel things um it's okay to be mad it's okay to be upset and you know fight for what you want too I love that and how so when you went you're just recording and posting as as therapy really for you it was very therapeutic for you how did you then when you decided oh wow there's other people out here who feel the same way I do how did you market that like or did you just keep posting videos and then all of a sudden you're on the top 50 list (laughs) um so actually I was kind of like okay well I'll use Instagram since that's where I have like the most followers on and you know it's not really family based um where all my family is and I didn't feel comfortable posting it on Facebook yet just because like episodes were about my family (laughs) (laughs) and I didn't know if they were going to listen or not and I was like you know let's just, let's just do Instagram. So I did it and I wasn't really frequently posting until, um, I got on a call with a coach and I did the one-on-one free session and she's like, you have a market, you need to make this your business and make this your, your, your niche and do it. And I was like, really? People want to listen to this? (laughs) And, um, at that point I was like, okay, well I'll create a schedule and start uploading like bi-weekly or weekly and have topics and maybe have guests come on. Now, if you listen to 2019 early stages and 2018 early stages, it's a hot mess. And I frequently say that like every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's, it's grown to where I have experts come on, you know, um, life coaches, people coming on to share their experience as a mom, as a business owner, entrepreneur, and just in general, you know, just to say mom life is hard. (laughs) And then also I have some motivational speakers on there to like empower women and, you know, realize that they're not alone in their struggles. And I, I love it because it's grown to this amazing thing where I feel like I'm making somewhat of an impact for women in general. Yeah, absolutely. That's so audience. uh, So audience. Yes, absolutely. That's so awesome. I was (laughs) wondering through the podcast, are there any other ways that like your audience engages with you or you engage with your audience or you mainly have the podcast and and that's what they have and oh, your social media as well. Yeah. So they can um, usually I have people engage with me on Instagram, social media, um, I even downloaded TikTok because my daughter wants to do the dances. <laughs> I still haven't done that. That is awesome. <laughs> so um, I'm pretty much on every platform, Snapchat, all of it. Um, I feel like I'm too old to be on there, you know, but nah. hey, like 
grabs women's attentions and um, I can't even speak, but attention and, um, you know, helps them in some way. I'm all for doing a silly dance and adding little filters on my face and things like that. So, yeah, I see more and more and more people doing that. I just, I need to figure uh, Snapchat I gave up on. I gave up on Snapchat. This is a side note, but because when my baby took her first steps and I recorded it, she's six now. So this was a while ago. I sent it to my husband and he had clicked on it, but then accidentally navigated away. So then when he went back to it, it wasn't there anymore. And he's like, I'm never using that again. So <laughs> my kids use it, <laughs> but that's very cool. So mom to life to wife, sorry, mom, mom to, to wife to life. life. Okay. Mom that's awesome I'll, and I'll have all the links you'd mentioned that your podcast was very much a healing starting with just I love that by the way that you just took action you're just recording there's so many options out there that people overthink you literally just need to pick up your phone and talk right I do a mixture right. of interviews and then just talking myself you just really make it just do it really and so it's really cool that you did that and that was a way for you to heal. What other things do you do to help you? Because you have a lot, a lot on your plate and you're dealing with a lot of things to help you with your downtimes, different maybe healing resources or things that you do to help yourself for self-care. Um, so every day I start with um, positive affirmations and it's just a way for me to have like a word or a, a sentence in my head to kind of keep me motivated for the day. Um, so today, my affirmation was patience. I don't have that often. Neither do I. <laughs> that's not my greatest virtue, that's for sure. <laughs> so patience was the word. And, um, you know, I just try to make sure I implement that throughout the day. And it actually helps me a little bit as much as I sometimes think it doesn't help. Um, it helps because then I can kind of reflect back on my day at the end of the day and be like, did I have patience today? And I'm like, yeah, I had it for that, that one thing. And I'm like, cool, I succeeded. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yay, it's not all day, but I did it for one thing. Um, and also self-care. I never used to take care of myself. So, I mean, I was the type of person who would braid up my hair and throw on a quick wig and you know keep it walking or put on a hat um I would never like get my nails done or do my toes or you know spend the extra money on like makeup you know and things like that and I'm actually taking time to be like you know I deserve that five dollar of Maybelline makeup you know <laughs> like something yeah. um so self-care I say if you can just go in your closet and eat like a sleeve of Oreos for five minutes, that's self-care. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever's going to make you feel good. Make sure that yeah. you are taking the time to make yourself feel good. I exactly. love that. I think that that's great. And I really liked that focus word. So your affirmations and then focusing on a word because when you were describing your process on 
seeing to be patient. So patience is your word and really focusing on all the ways to be patient that day. It helps to really focus in on the one thing instead of I really need to be, you know, patient. I need to make sure I don't lose my temper. I need to make sure that I'm a good communicator. I need to, and then you're like, there's so much. It's just like, Hey, today, today I'm going to do this one thing. And when you did it, yes, I did it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's the goal is just one thing like I can accomplish one thing and I had I used to have like a laundry list of things to do and you know being my husband's care caretaker and also um not to mention my daughter has ADHD so I'm also doing a lot of things with her um it's important to just have that one win it's because you're not going to win at everything yeah Absolutely. I had um, a Buddhist teacher um, that I was learning from back when I was 20. And I remember he said, and I know I've mentioned this on another episode before, but I I say it a lot because I think it's really important to not focus on the ultimate outcome. So my ultimate outcome is that I don't suffer from PTSD anymore. I'm not crying and not knowing why I don't lose my temper. Okay. There, that is so much. So anytime you don't do that, you are going to feel like a failure and you're going to start that negative self-talk. So just focus on every moment. So right now I didn't lose my temper. That's awesome. And then if I did lose my, if I lose my temper in the next one, okay, well, you know what? There's always another moment where I could not lose my temper and just take it moment by moment. And then it's not this, this big grand goal that every time you feel like you're taking two steps back and you feel like you're failing. And that's, it's true. It's, um, it's something I try to do all the time because like you said, like PTSD, I don't want to feel this anymore. I don't want to have it. And I can't help that I do. So I have to like find little ways to, feel happy because if I don't then I'm just going to feel worthless I'm going to feel all of those things yeah because you're you know I just got a book um uh an, an, an interview I did just earlier in the week she had recommended this book called the body keeps score okay so I haven't read it yet so I should probably read it before I talk about it but what that title reminds me of is I often respond in ways that I don't even in my mind know why or at all it's like my body knows I call I call it my sense memory there's something in there that remembers when I don't even physically remember in my head and it responds and you know you can what you can do is you can work to you can work on your responses to those um, those reactions those body reactions and for example um, when I have them I automatically now after work stop and think why what happened just try to acknowledge or identify what might have been the trigger and I'm very gentle with myself whereas before I you know I really felt like I was failing and so that to your point it may never be completely gone, right? Because our, our body, the way our bodies are responding, but it can be so much better. We can live happy and fulfilled lives by doing the work, by loving ourselves, by being gentle with ourselves and um, you know, really working on the way we respond to things. And I honestly feel like it's a forever journey and I don't want that to make people feel um, 
like, oh man, this sucks <laughs> forever journey. Yeah. Um, because it's, it gets, it gets easier meaning like our responses and how we relate with ourselves gets easier than in the beginning. Would you agree with that? And so it's like, it's worth, it's worth the journey and the work because you really can live fulfilled lives um, despite having those reactions and those triggers. Yes. Um, I know for me, like one of my biggest triggers is I can't wear turtlenecks. I can't wear like the high cut shirts and for the longest, I wouldn't tell my husband why. And honestly, I think his memory is just gone because I think he forgot. But <laughs> um, I wouldn't tell him why, but like, I I just couldn't do it. And every time I, I wore it, I would just feel like someone was choking me. And then it would take me back to where my ex was choking me. And I'm like, you know, just the worst of the worst times where I passed out and I woke up on the floor type of situation. And, you know, he thinks it's strange, but I also have to tell him like, I'm sorry, like you cannot buy me this shirt. You can't buy me that shirt. Like I have to approve of all my clothing. <laughs> and even like sometimes like when I wear my bras or something, like it's too tight in that area. I, I can't do it. And, um, you just learn what your triggers are sometimes. And sometimes I still have triggers that I don't even know, to be honest, what, why it caused that. I don't know if it's from childhood or is it something I just don't remember because I probably blacked out a couple of times from him hitting me or, you know, it's just, you, you live with it and it does suck. <laughs> and it, it sucks so bad to the point where I get mad and I'm like, I don't want this anymore. But you just kind of have to navigate your life to where it doesn't affect you as much. So I avoid all high cut shirts. So I don't ever have to really feel that, you know, on a constant basis type of situation. I'm really glad you shared that. There was uh, two really, well, the first thing is communicating with your spouse of what you're going through, because that was a huge game changer in my marriage where I didn't really think about it because I didn't really want to explain it because I didn't want to be feeling it. So it wasn't like I didn't want him to know or I didn't want to share it. I was just, it almost felt because I wasn't being gentle with myself, ridiculous that I would have this reaction. I'll give you an example. I've actually never shared this before. I'll give you an example and people might think this is totally nuts, but it's my truth. Toilet paper. I have a very intense reaction. I have to have a certain type of toilet paper. It's really Cottonelle. And the reason, <laughs> even the brand, and it sounds nuts. And for the longest time, my husband was like, why are you so particular? I mean, toilet paper wipe, wipes your bottom. Like, what's the big deal? But when I was 11 and I had been raped, I went home, I was bleeding, and I took toilet paper and I was, I was like wiping myself and I was really emotional and it crumbled you know, like the toilet paper, the little pieces of toilet paper. So it seems like nothing, but to this day, like I, I hate it. If even if someone has like, you know, something's wet, like say their feet are wet or something and they take toilet paper because maybe there's no paper towels and it crumbles. I have, or even talking about it right now, I have a reaction in my body. I can't get rid I mean, maybe I can if I go to therapy and work through my toilet paper issue, but it is what it is. Um, I didn't want to tell my husband because how, I mean, it, it sounds so silly, yeah. but it was deep it inside does. my body. And so, you know what? I talked to him about it. 
he understood and he will search high and low for forgotten L. And even in this times right now with this pandemic and, you know, I might not have that luxury, right? Cause we just need toilet paper. He'll always ask me. It's so sweet. Cause I'll be like, just get whatever. Cause I know, but he'll always go, Hey, there's this brand. Do you think that'll be okay? And there's even, you know, there you go. There you yeah. have it. <laughs> yeah. I, I totally feel you on that. So it's, it's really important to communicate with your significant other or a family member. And one thing I will say is not everybody will understand. And that is going to be the hardest part of telling your truth or telling anything about your past or trauma to somebody, especially when you're opening up is they will not understand. And and it's hard because I still have friends to this day that don't understand why I even stayed with that and why I have PTSD. And my mom thinks I made up the whole entire thing. Um, <laughs> so there's that. Wow. So I don't have a relationship with my mom like that. And even still to this day, she still like harps down on me and talks, talks negatively to me. And whatever I do, especially I told her about becoming a fellow and she just went why would you want to do that you know like why not you know if you have the chance to make a change and impact especially something that my husband you know someone that's close to me is going through like why wouldn't I want to do that um so my advice to people or listeners I don't know what you call all of them uh, (laughs) all of them (laughs) all the people all the people um is to be careful who you share your truth with. Um, And if you are gonna let someone in, be prepared for them not to understand because they probably won't. They'll pretend that they do, but they probably won't. I'm really glad you said that um, because it's, it's absolutely true. Some people won't understand and I, echo what you say um, when you're sharing your story, something that helped me because I shared people, I shared my story with people who did not respond the way I was hoping when I was younger and it did more damage than good. So now as a person that's coming out and sharing your story and you're feeling inclined to share your story, your meaning the, all the people that would like to do this, um, it's share your story almost without expectation. Like don't, don't have any expectation on how that person will respond. Um, just share it because that's what you want to do. It's your truth and you feel inclined to do that. So absolutely be careful who you share it with, or if you're going to share it, you're going to share it and have no expectation on how they're going to respond so that that can't, that can't hurt you. Yeah. Very true. Like, like I said earlier, or a couple minutes ago, I tried sharing it with my mom. She still doesn't want to face the fact she's 60 years old. Come on now. Like, yeah. <laughs> you should come to some realization that, like, okay, maybe I wasn't there for my daughter when I, she needed me, but I'm here now and it still hasn't happened. So I just don't have any expectations for that relationship. Well, Jennifer, it was so awesome talking to you. You are doing amazing things, and that's. I just, I'm so, I'm happy that you're taking everything that you've experienced and you're doing such amazing things for others. Um, you, 
can be found on Instagram, mom to wife to life. Um, your website as well. Is that it the same? Yeah. Perfect. I will put that on there. Um, and anything, any other ways or places that people can find you? Are those the main, the main two? Um, so mainly just Instagram and Facebook. Um, so I'm trying to rebrand the Instagram to fit everything that I'm doing. It's kind of hard when you just don't want to post all day and be a nuisance, but. Oh gosh, the <laughs> posting, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so just be patient with me on that. Um, but you can find me pretty much everywhere with the, the same name. So, or just type in Jennifer Reed. I'll come up. <laughs> Jennifer Reed. Awesome. Is there, I always like to give the opportunity for anything else you would like to share with the audience. I and mean, you shared a lot. I just never want somebody walking away saying, darn it. I wish I would have said that. Um, so is there anything else that, that you would like to share? Um, just be yourself because for the longest I lost myself and I think it's really important for people to just be them and there's always going to be people that judge and there will always be people that will say something positive or negative or just be yourself. I love that. Absolutely. Be yourself. That was perfect. Jennifer, thank you so much. And I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And hopefully um, the listeners got something out of it. Absolutely. I know they did. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great day. You too.